Hi, welcome everyone to the podcast series on uh, innovative healthcare solutions, sponsored by the Conference of Consulting Actuaries or CCA. Uh, my name is Ed Kolowski and I'm president of Morningstar Actuarial Consulting. Um, I'm also the chair of the healthcare community within the CCA, and I'm going to be your host for today's discussion. Now, uh, these podcasts are a series of interviews with actuaries and other professionals focused on delivering innovation in healthcare. Uh, these sessions are offered to provide insights about what's transpiring in the ever-changing healthcare environment in which we live. Um, I'm sure you're going to be delighted with this session today and the great discussions we've had today. You can go back and, and uh, via the CCA website, find some of the old ones. Um, and, and I'm sure you're going to be delighted about the ones that uh, we plan to have. They're you know, highlighting the interesting people, products, and services that are designed to drive a better healthcare system. So I'm delighted today to be joined by Trevor Fast. Now, Trevor is a fellow of the Conference Consulting Actuaries, a fellow of the Society of Actuaries, and a member of the American Academy of Actuaries. Uh, Trevor is also the Chief Actuary for Bind. Trevor, thanks for joining us today. Uh, thanks for having me, Ed. I'm uh, excited to be with you here today. And uh, uh, you, know, uh, you, you mentioned that I'm, a, I'm uh, the, uh, the lead actuary at Bind. That's, uh, that's actually uh, a little bit out of date now uh, over the past couple <laughs> yes, of weeks. I was, was going to ask you about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we, we just uh, have undertaken a, a rebrand. Um, so we are, we are now being known in the market as Surest, uh, as in uh, the superlative of certain, um, which, uh, which really relates to our value proposition that we, we aim to deliver to, to our members and, and our, our employer clients. Uh, and, and this this really uh, uh, originated uh, back to uh, about a uh, just over a year ago. Uh, we became a subsidiary of United Healthcare, uh, and uh, so uh, for a number of years now, even prior to that, we've uh, we've had a partnership, a deep partnership with them on multiple fronts, including uh, use of the the network, and uh, now as a uh, uh, as a subsidiary. Uh, we we have an even uh, deeper partnership, and uh, there was a uh, there was a need to uh, kind of reinforce our value proposition and rebrand uh, as we face out to the market as surest. Great, great. Well, thanks thanks for that correction. Um, it sounds to me like that only is going to provide you with uh, stronger support in the market, but really doesn't change much about what you're about. Why, why don't you give us a little bit of background on what Shorest is? I know you're a health plan offering, but maybe you can help our viewers understand the difference um, between what you offer and kind of the traditional employer health plan that exists out there. Sure. Uh, so when we started uh, about six years ago now, uh, six years ago was the uh, kind of in the garage uh, phase. Uh, of the company development, um, uh, by five years ago, uh, we we uh, had just gone live with our first members, uh, those being ourselves, um, uh, and uh, we we came about because we had we identified that there were there were uh, severe uh, dysfunctions in the healthcare market. No surprise to any of your viewers. Um, and we, we were uh, pretty dissatisfied with um, 
uh, with the, the solutions that, that we saw being developed in the sort of post-ACA uh, era landscape. Um, and, and the one thing that really wasn't being innovated on was the actual benefit. Uh, so there was a lot of network innovation happening. Uh, there, there, there was a lot of innovation around uh, member service and navigation, but there wasn't innovation on the benefit itself. Uh, and so, and, and even today, we live in a world that is dominated by the HDHP benefits that were invented 20 years ago. Um, and I, I was, um, I was just looking up. I, I did a uh, uh, a Google Scholar search. Uh, I, I was looking up what what were the articles that were written about HDHPs in 2004, and and HSAs, and they're all full of peaches and cream and promise and hope. And then I did a search on what's been written, uh, what's been published over the last year, and it's the regressive. They are uh, inequitable from a DEI perspective. Uh, they are, um, you know, they're, they're, uh, people are are not actually uh, finding the ability to act against uh, this uh, uh, now cost efficient marketplace and, and discover high value care, uh, and and uh, and people are not actually saving for the most part, uh, uh, or or at least it's it's very segmented by. Uh, by by wealth disparity, uh, the the degree to which people are actually able to save and invest in HSAs. Um, so, you know, when we when we look at the promise versus reality of HDHP HSA model, uh, we said there's a there's a gap, uh, and one of the one of the key uh, points that that the uh, consumer driven revolution did not fulfill was that uh, you know, the promise was we were going to enter into this, this era of provider price transparency. We were gonna have a well-functioning healthcare marketplace. Providers would compete on price and uh, consumers would be able to act against that. That, that obviously hasn't happened. In, in fact, uh, recent developments uh, on the legislative front are uh, trying to uh, push, push the market more actively uh, down that path. Um, but but we said there, there's actually a better way. Uh, let's get rid of all the fuzzy math to consumers. Let's eliminate deductibles. So uh, another mini uh, tangent on deductibles. Um, so so let's take a step back as a profession. Where did deductibles come from? Well, healthcare didn't invent them. They came from the PNC world. PNC invented the deductible, and deductibles were meant to apply on a per loss event basis. We don't have annual deductibles in our auto insurance or our homeowner's insurance because fundamentally annual deductibles actually make no sense actuarially. Deductibles only really make sense on a per loss event basis. And, and that's how they're applied in PNC. That's how they were invented. We've, uh, we've sort of accepted them as, as the water we swim in in healthcare, but we, we don't have to. And if you actually applied them on a per loss event basis, we'd just call it a copay. Um, so we, we decided to uh, kind of go back to first principles and redesign a benefit around, you know, we can give people prices for per loss event, meaning per use of the healthcare system, uh, whether for, for a specific service with a specific provider. We now have, um, we're, we're at a unique time where we have access to the data 
to be able to pull this off. And um, so we we eliminated deductibles, we eliminated coinsurance, anything that that causes the consumer not to be able to know what their cost is in advance of use. And we re replaced all of that with cost certain copays. And um, so our our uh, partnership with with United um, really gave us access to both the network uh, as well as really crucially the the data. Uh, to be able to put price tags on everything. So we put price tags on literally everything in the healthcare benefit. There, there is, there's no deductible, no coinsurance in a bind or surest benefit. And, and so that's, that's really kind of at the, at the core of our philosophy is let's redesign the benefit around the consumer first and foremost, and then support that with the navigational tools, the digital tools that they need to find uh, better clearer answers about their costs and coverage. So, so Trevor, you, you made an interesting comment there, which is that you put a price on all services that exist out there. Uh, I know a lot of organizations will select certain ones, you know, carve out maybe your um, elective surgeries as an example and have, you know, set prices for those, but you've kind of taken this much further. Um, is I mean, truly have you covered a, a, a kind of an all-in price for any service anybody could get within kind of the, their, you know, kind of the frame of, of, of a healthcare um, insurance solution? We, we have. Um, and, and I guess I, I should have mentioned as well that this, this is uh, where we sit in the, uh, the, the, the healthcare landscape is, is as a sort of full stack uh, health plan solution. So um, we, <clears throat> we are offered to large employer groups, uh, anywhere from 51 plus to um, about 20 of the Fortune 500 uh, as we, as we uh, stand today. Um, and we were offered on their uh, uh, benefits administration alongside um, the, the BUCAs and, and other regional carriers. Um, so we... Um, uh, we we uh, we did put a price tag on everything. Now, in some cases, that means uh, uh, so we we have specific price tags on. Uh, obviously, an office visit is going to have a copay. Now, that that office visit uh, copay depends on the practitioner you go to, because we we wanted to sort of marry the best of the um, the intent behind consumer driven plans. The intent behind deductibles and coinsurance is let's let's nudge people to use more high value care. We can still do that in a copay model, uh, but we 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 have to be able to do the heavy lifting on their behalf and and give them a price tag in advance that signals where they can discover that value. Uh, so uh, you might see, for example, um, I'll, I'll sort of make up a plan design. You might see an office visit uh, range from uh, ten dollars to sixty dollars in copay. Uh, depending on the, the the name of the practitioner, and if you use the the app website or call member services, you can discover the specific copay for for a named practitioner in the network. So office visit is is kind of an obvious one, um, but we extend that to we can give you a specific price for uh, a knee replacement or a hernia repair or a gallbladder removal. 
Um, anything that's covered in a comprehensive medical benefit is covered in one of our plans, and we, we give you a specific price for everything. And it's all searchable through a sort of modern app-based interface. Right. So and how does, uh, so we can understand based on selecting a certain provider, what my copay may be, um, how do you help uh, the members of Assure's plan understand the quality of the provider so they can kind of balance price with, with quality? Yeah, it's a, it's a question we, we get uh, uh, probably uh, at least daily, probably multiple times. Um, <laughs> So, 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 so you have an answer to it, and I didn't catch you off guard, if that's what you're saying. Right? Never thought of it before. <laughs> uh, so a couple of things we do. Um, and and I, I, I should probably first point out that the quality in healthcare is actually not very well defined. Um, we all talk about it, and we seldom mean the same thing when we say it. Um, and so, um, so I think we, we, we recognize some of, the, uh, some of the, the gray when we talk about this domain. Uh, but we also want to signal uh, to, to our members uh, where we, we know high quality uh, does exist in the system. And uh, so one of the, the, the uh, great benefits we get from uh, our partnership with United is uh, the, uh, the premium designation program that they use to qualify uh, uh, the, the uh, degree of quality care delivered by physicians in the network. Uh, based on their, uh, their effectiveness and, and uh, dozens of nationally established, uh, sort of well-known well uh, quality met metrics uh, from the, uh, the usual suspect organizations. Um, so we display that, that symbol alongside the copay price tag to our members. We, we display a, a heart for, for those that have achieved the quality care designation under the United Healthcare Premium Program. Um, so that's that's one. Um, secondly, and, and probably just as importantly, is, is that we actually embed quality into the price tags themselves. So when we, when we set those price tags to nudge people to high value care, notice that I didn't say low cost care. Uh, we, we really want to be uh, encouraging members to use the the high value, and and I mean that in sort of the the normal definition of high quality and low cost. When you put those together, and you you identify those who have um, lower complication rates, uh, lower um, uh, lower readmission rates, uh, they're, they're, uh, they use conservative treatment before they uh, they jump someone to a surgical intervention, uh, which uh, typically is going to result in members being happier and healthier. Uh, so we, we look at really that total episodic cost of care. How quickly do you restore someone to health and solve their condition? Uh, and, and of course, uh, and I know you've talked with uh, on some of your prior podcasts, which I was binge watching uh, recently. <laughs> Um, you you, you uh, might uh, you might you might be the first to do that. I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll have to give you an award for that. I think uh, it was uh, it was fun. Uh, I encourage everyone to do the same. Uh, uh, some some great uh, great information out there. But uh, but but the, these are really thorny problems, right? Identifying provider performance uh, is uh, it's a a highly multi dimensional and sparse data issue. Uh, when you really think about uh, 
trying to control for the, the patient base that every doctor is seeing, controlling for those that present with the same conditions, with the same acuity, uh, and, then, uh, and then sort of the luck of the draw of, well, can I really perceive uh, when this, uh, if I see an adverse outcome in this member, is it because the provider did something wrong or is it because they were unlucky or because the member didn't uh, adhere to the protocol? So, um, so it's, a, it's a big data problem. This is also why you're seeing some of these, uh, these types of big data-driven innovative solutions uh, come to, to, to light now. We only now have access to both the data and the computing power and the techniques, as well as the fact that, uh, that consumers uh, of uh, nearly all um, uh, socioeconomic strata of all walks of life are walking around with computers in their pockets. And, and a growing expectation that every industry is going to act on their behalf, like Amazon and Uber and uh, name your favorite on-demand service, that I can get answers uh, to how my, in healthcare, about how my costs and coverage work at the click of a button. Um, so it's, it's really interesting actuarial and data science work that goes into it. Uh, and, um, and, and it's a, it's a really big, uh, big, hairy, big data problem. So at the end of the day, Trevor, what's the value proposition for the people that purchase your solution, say, you know, large employer and, and, and their employees, because I'm, I'm assuming there's kind of a benefit on, on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's many fold, um, First is that because we designed the benefit around the consumer and eliminated eliminated all the fuzzy math, right? We, we just we we give you we give you a price for everything. Uh, it means that we actually have. I, I think of it as a higher degree of, of consumer protection than the uh, the CAA NSA uh, recent regulation provides for. Um, some of which says, well, if if you search for J seventeen forty five. I have to be able to tell you the price for that. Well, we don't think consumers should have to learn the CPT codebook, um, and and we think that if they go in for a uh, a knee replacement with an in-network surgeon at an in-network hospital, they should be protected uh, against all the choices they didn't make about anesthesiologist and assistant surgeon and on and on. So we give them a single price for what they perceive as a single care encounter. So it's a it's a really high degree of, of consumer protection uh, against uh, unexpected and surprise billing. Um, we find that because we array prices against healthcare value, our members are spending five hundred dollars less uh, out of pocket annually compared to the national average, and the total cost of care because our members are using more high value care. Uh, and by the way, they're using ten times as much virtual care. Uh, as as benchmark, uh, it's lowering the total cost of care for the for the group as well. So when it, th this is how a good marketplace works, when people make decisions that are in their economic and health best interest, it it improves the pool for everyone. And so group premiums come down by ten to fifteen percent for an actuarially equivalent benefit. Right, right. That sounds fantastic. I'm, I'm assuming too that your 
evaluating these along other metrics as well in terms of, of usage. Um, you know, maybe, you know, you talked about virtual care being greater than others, but, you know, I'm, I'm assuming maybe um, does it show up in other service categories like emergency, you know, lesser emergency room visits yeah. and, and other areas? It, it, it absolutely does. And, and part of the advantage of not having a deductible is you don't have people avoiding high value care because they're afraid of their deductible. Um, and, and of course, you see it in high deductible plans, even, even though you've got zero dollar preventive. Uh, because if the doctor codes it in a slightly different way, it's not going to be zero dollar preventive anymore. Um, so by eliminating the deductible and the fear factor around it, um, it actually uh, it, it it levels utilization across the year. There's no reason that we think uh, someone should pay radically different amount for the same care in January versus December. Uh, that's not a rational concept. Um, so it levels uh, utilization, it levels spending. Um, and uh, we do see a lower rate of use of emergency room. We see a higher rate of use of, uh, of things like physical therapy and virtual care. Uh, and then for those, when you control for any one of those services, we see a lower cost per service because people are using the more efficient providers in the network for, for that service. Great. Well, well, Trevor, I, I always like to wrap up conversations with a uh, little bit of a personal question. And it's always, you know, if if you didn't have this career in healthcare and, and as an actuary, what would you have done instead? You know, which which what's your passion? <laughs> or, or passion um, beyond beyond your uh, current skill that, that pays you dollars. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully you're not asking because I didn't come across as passionate enough uh, in in, uh, in the course of the last 25 minutes. No, but, no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> your other if, passion. <laughs> if, if you had asked me in, uh, in, in maybe junior high, I would have said an astronaut uh, right. until, right. I, until I realized that my eyesight and stature disqualified me. <laughs> um, and then, then I would have uh, said maybe mission control. Okay. Uh, so okay. I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. That, that, that's, a, that's our first astronaut um, <laughs> in our series. So I enjoyed that. Well, uh, Trevor, thanks. Thanks for doing this. I, I'd really like to encourage all our viewers who participate in our healthcare community, continuing discussions about the insights that Trevor shared here and, and discuss that on, on the healthcare community platform. Uh, if you're not a member of the CCA and you want to consider joining uh, to not only experience the benefit of community platforms of the CCA for informal discussions, but also some of the other great benefits that, that our members enjoy. Trevor, thanks again for being here today and sharing your insights about what Shorest is doing to drive innovation in healthcare. Um, um, I know I benefit and I sure our audience benefited as well. Thanks again. Thanks so much, Ed. Enjoyed the conversation. Me too. Thanks.